my name is Sharon Kugler, and I'm the Yale University chaplain, and this is Time for the Soul. My guest today is Omer Bajwa. Omer is our Muslim chaplain at Yale and the director of Muslim Life. Thank you so much for joining me today, Omer, for Time for the Soul. Wonderful to be here with you today. Thank you for inviting me. Coming off a global pandemic that has been fraught with such huge collective loss and individual struggle, how do you as a chaplain bring yourself back to life? I mean, I think we all have our own strategies. I've been very blessed and privileged uh, to ride out the pandemic hunkering down uh, with my family and and was blessed to have uh, a few people in my pod um, that really helped keep my emotional health and, and sanity and, and physical health. We did a lot of hiking uh, and I've explored more of Connecticut in the last year of the pandemic than I have in the previous 13 years. Uh, and I think that really helped. I love getting outside. I love being with people. Um, and so now that we're back, you know, semi-normal back to work, I think, and interacting with the community at large, I think it's about uh, both making sense of what the year has passed and checking in on people and sitting with them. Um, and then also, I think people are looking, need hope and are looking forward to the future to what a post-pandemic world might be. And I think to just have those conversations and just dream and to imagine of like, you know, what could we revive that we did before or what new things can we imagine wanting to do together that we could, didn't think we could do before, didn't even, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, try to dream about. So that's what I would say. What What are some of those new things that that you've learned from this pandemic time? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I found, uh, you know, not to take people for granted, uh, and that sounds like a pretty common, if not trite answer, but I believe it's true, right, is that really to the, the people that I work with, the people that I'm friends with, my family members, to not to take the time that we have together for granted. Um, and I think that's been a great reminder for me. And I, I in conversation with people, you know, um, I try to remind people of that. Um, and I think also uh, just the, the need for self-care. Right. Uh, and that's so much of a part of the work that we do. It's absolutely essential and imperative for our physical well-being, our emotional well-being, and I would say our spiritual well-being um, to really make time for self-care. And self-care is not indulgent. Self-care is essential. Um, that is something that I've talked about uh, doing with people. But to get to the point of the question, I would say things that we didn't think that we could do before were um, really helping people get off campus. And I know this is a challenge at Yale, where Yale creates an e internal ecosystem that provides everything that a student could ever imagine or want, and things that they can't even imagine, right? That, uh, And I think one of the things that emerging out of this now, people really are looking to get into the community. Uh, that's a conversation I've had with a lot of our first year students. They deep Deeply want to engage with the New Haven community uh, and and get out of the Yale bubble, and that's very heartening to hear. Um, uh, and so to th think about ways how we can do that. I know many students long before I was here, and probably after I'm gone, will always say we want to help New Haven and do things for New Haven. But really about having humbling conversations about what does it mean to be with people in community, uh, to not have the savior complex. Um, to not come in with a sort of a sense of we've got it all figured out. Um, I think students are, uh, uh, and my community members even, um, are, are imagining how can we do better. So, Thank you for that. Yeah, as we've said, this has been a very rough year, and the work of chaplaincy puts us really in very close proximity with people and sometimes in their worst moments in their lives when they're really suffering either physically or spiritually. How do you help someone understand their worth as a human being? It's a beautiful question. Um, 
uh, I mean, uh, part of it is uh, recognizing that everything we have is a gift, I would say from our creator, uh, whatever good health we have, whatever, whatever relationships we have, these are all gifts. And, and God gives, uh, the creator gives gifts um, uh, out of his generosity and, and mercy, and that we are recipients of those gifts. And that means we have intrinsic value and worth and dignity and reminding people of that is that um, that God out of his mercy wouldn't give gifts to those that are unworthy of, the, of having them, um, so to speak. And so the, whatever gifts we have is just, you know, showing gratitude. And then um, in our tradition, using the gifts, you know, the way to show appreciation and gratitude to the gift giver is to use the gift in the best way possible. So the life that we have, the opportunities that we have, the intelligence that we have, the moments that we have in life, um, to use them um, and to make them meaningful. And then, I, and I, and I, with my community, I caution against grandiose gestures. Right? This is a place of grandiose rhetoric and and all these dreams of leadership and excellence and all of that. And I say, no, we have to be very intentionally, as we talk about in our office, very intentionally countercultural to that. It's really the. I don't want to say mundane, that's not the right word for it, but really the smaller moments in life, the quieter moments in life and the interactions and opportunities to recognize our worth, uh, uh, inherent worth and dignity as people um, and to you know feel cared for and loved for. And I think that's at the heart of this work, right, is that we are not people of the limelight that want the stage. Uh, and there are the sages on the stages, and then we are not people of that of that MO, in, at least in our office, in the family that we have, uh, right, in the CHAPS office. And so I, I take that to heart. And I think our students really want to, and they need to hear that. Um, and that shows them the, their worth. To just sit and have a cup of tea and just be present, not even having to talk, just be with people. And as you said so beautifully that we've seen people in, uh, in really difficult challenging moments in their lives, uh, financial distress, emotional distress, physical, uh, you know, the devastation wrought by the pandemic. Um, and we've all lost people and, and suffer through this, uh, as I'm sure you know better than I do. Um, and it, it, I mean, I guess the takeaway at one level is that just the physical presence of someone, like being with them is like invaluable, right? Uh, and, and now we're allowed and able to do that again. I think that people, you can't even put it in words sometimes, right? Just having someone be there with you, um, uh, uh, what that does to, to comfort the soul um, uh, and without words. So Yes, indeed. That ministry of presence um, is, is kind of the one constant through, through, uh, through thick and thin. Um, in, in speaking of this work, um, what might be that special spark uh, that is brought up for you when you do chaplaincy work? Hmm. I think uh, it's a great question. I'm, I, I know this is supposed to be spontaneous, right? We have to kind of say what comes to our heart and mind first. I think something that I'm reminded, uh, it, you know, again and again, is just it's the real privilege of, of being in service to people. Uh, that's to me is the spark is that, uh, and I, I know I hope this doesn't come across as sort of judgmental, but there are many people doing many great things in the universe uh, that are probably much more high profile and high impact, quote unquote, in Yale language, right, than the work that I do. Um, but I think I, I want to believe in this is kind of really what the, the way my parents, you know, instilled these values on me. And I hope I take them to heart uh, and actualize them is that just being in service to people is itself a great privilege because um in my language, you know, God gives the opportunity to certain people uh, and just and doesn't give the, that opportunity to other people. So I want to really uh, uh, 
acknowledge the the privilege of the opportunity to be to serve people uh, in the best way that I can. I think that to me is the spark. That's what kind of gets me up in the day. Is that like, you know, w- what can I do today to uh, to help those who need some sort of help? Right. I can't. I don't have all the answers or the solutions. And you know this, but but uh, how can I just be the facilitator um, for people? Yeah, I, I I was thinking recently about the quiet witness that we as chaplains uh, present. Mm-hmm. And you definitely, I've I've been in so many meetings with you and we've, you know, uh, been on panels together and uh, just your very presence sometimes means the world to, mm-hmm. uh, to people who hadn't seen a, um, a Muslim leader that they felt was accessible to them um, or funny, <laughs> which you are, which you are uh, filled with joy and, um, and rightly placed humility, I would say too. Um, but your wife and kids keep that for you. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Omer, thank you so much for spending some time for the soul together with me this morning. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Time for the Soul is produced by Ryan McAvoy. Created by Sharon Kugler, Maytal Satiel, and Sean Mignon. Our music is by J.P. Durvin. This has been a production of the Yale Broadcast Studio. 